Contrazoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenal, and today we've got a really big and fun show. Now, it's not quite Oscar season, but it is just around the corner. So, figure what we'll do is maybe talk about some frontrunner films that might be nominated. Uh, we're going to talk about films that we've seen and maybe where it might land, and films that we haven't seen yet, and based on reviews, word of mouth, what we can sort of see in our crystal ball, how it might turn out. Also, in this episode, we've got a really fun interview with Colin Mercer, the creator of a sketch comedy troupe called Game Time. And so you're going to want to make sure you listen to that because that is a really fun conversation I had. Now, joining me to talk about this Oscar prediction and early Oscar season favorite is Stephanie Pryor. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, hey. So we've seen uh, several films already that look to be front runners, mm -hmm. and there's a bunch more we want to see. For sure. Overall, how are you sort of feeling about 2019? You know what? I'm, I'm kind of digging 2019. There's a few films that I've seen so far that I've really, really liked, and none that I've been like, oh, I hated that. So I, I think 2019 ranks as a high year for me. It's interesting. At the beginning of the year, you never really know what to expect. You'll, you'll hear be like, oh, this director is releasing something this year. This director might be putting something out. Mm -hmm. um, and you're just like, all right, cool. And then the other, you know, once Sundance is the first big festival of the year that happens earlier in the year, and you'll hear, you know, little snippets about big movies. And you're like, I don't know, maybe that sounds interesting. <laughs> but you don't really know anything about it until at least the early fall season when... Right. Toronto Film Festival, Venice Film mm -hmm. Festival, uh, those big ones really start to happen. Uh, but last year, I was not feeling as excited about the movies that were coming out for the most part. You right. know, there's, there's always going to be like three or four like, oh, I can't wait to see this. Yeah, yeah. But like this year, you know, we've got a list of, you know, 15 to 20 movies that we haven't even seen yeah. yet. Some no. of them have been out for a while That's true. too. Yeah, yeah. Last year wasn't so great. And I feel like last year was more of a like... Um, a surprise year where like the the movies that I wasn't necessarily excited to see or movies I didn't know about and then eventually saw I was like oh this is really good but there was nothing on my list where I was like oh man I have to see this I have to see this whereas this year I feel like we've got so many to go through and what you said still will ring true of course um, you know when the Oscar nominations come out for the the best international film formerly known as foreign language film comes out that's usually where you find some real hidden gems there's always one or two front runners which of course there is this year, but then you know you dig into it a little bit deeper and you see some real faves in there, yeah. and and we don't know about what these lesser, not lesser, what these smaller films that haven't quite gotten the buzz yet are gonna be, yeah, uh, and they're probably gonna be you know top our best of the year lists or come close to it. Yeah, well, two of the movies I wasn't sure about last year were two of my favorite movies of the go. decade, so. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to break this down into two different parts movies we've seen and movies we haven't seen yet so we're going to start out with movies we have seen and sort of discuss um what they were like as far as like um do we enjoy them do they meet our expectations or not just very brief and then uh does it stand a chance to be nominated for any oscars uh we're gonna bounce these ideas these films back and forth does that sound good to you Steph? yeah totally great uh i'm gonna go first uh, first one that came out very early this year was Jordan Peele's Us. It was his follow-up to Get Out, which shocked the Academy, uh, well, the world, really, by getting a bunch of nominations at the Oscars, including Best Picture, something that horror movies 
never do. And especially since he comes from a comedy background, it was such a turn of pace for him. And then he came back and did another uh, horror movie again. This time, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's hard to even describe what the plot of Us is other than uh, a family gets terrorized by... Another a, family? Another family that is them, <laughs> but isn't them. Uh, really, I'm, you've probably seen Us by now if, uh, if you've been paying attention to movies coming out in 2019. Uh, this was a movie that I think slightly did not meet my expectations. Get Out is easily one of the best films of this decade, especially horror movie-wise, and Us just sort of fell short. It was very grandiose in what it wanted to do, and it just had too much going on and sort of too many plot holes going on and things like that. That said, Lupita Nyong'o was terrific. She really was able to inhabit playing two different characters that was the same person but was so different, especially physically, and she did such a great job with that. It's no surprise, really, that Lupita Nyong'o is a great actress at this point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally fair statement. Uh, other than that, I don't really know if it's going to... I don't even know if Lupita Nyong'o is going to get a nomination. She might not at this point because it came out so early in the year and that really does hinder Oscar movie chances. Um, outside of that, I, I don't think it's really got a shot for anything. Mm -hmm. um, does it sound about right? Yeah. No, this movie too didn't do much for me. I much prefer Get Out. I just found this one to be a little lackluster. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, yeah. what do you got? Okay. Uh, so I'm going to move on to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And how long do we have? Because I could probably talk about this one for a while. This is going to be the Tarantino podcast now. <laughs> uh, this was a shocker. This was a surprise one for me. He's thirsty now. Feels like. Austin Powers when he's going to the bathroom. Stops and he thinks he's done. And then he drinks again. Five. Okay, you're good. I don't remember where I left off. Just start from the beginning. <laughs> but that was good. It was natural too. Uh, wait. How, uh, you just said, okay. This was a surprise one for me. Yeah. So that's where I'll start. Okay. Are you going to lie down? Lie down. Lie down. Lie down or get the hell out of here. Good boy. This one was a surprise one for me because I don't uh, normally like long films. And this was a very long one. Um, I like uh, every other movie of Tarantino's. I'm not a huge Die Hard fan. And I'm not the biggest fan of Leonardo DiCaprio either. So there was a few dings on this one why I didn't want to see it. But I absolutely loved this movie. Um, definitely one of my top ones of this year. Um, I thought the acting was amazing, both by Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And also Margot Robbie. I think the three of them really did such a phenomenal job. Uh, portraying their characters and really bringing them to life and like fleshing them out especially DiCaprio like I thought his portrayal was so good was hilarious was multifaceted was multi-leveled was just like phenomenal so for this one uh, I think it's definitely uh, obviously in contention for best picture mm -hmm. 
it's a huge front runner, I would say. Uh, as well as Tarantino will definitely get a director nomination, perhaps, and original screenplay. screenplay. And I think also, uh, I mean, apart from DiCaprio getting a, an actor's uh, nomination and Brad Pitt for supporting actor, I think uh, it's unfortunate that Margot Robbie probably won't get nominated for supporting actress in this because she's... Um, maybe too small of a role in this. I don't really know, but I thought she did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood, so it's it's no surprise that this is probably going to do pretty well within uh, Oscar circles. Tarantino's also, he spent so long being kind of like that weird director that he suddenly became that weird elder statesman <laughs> director where, you know, his movies have become, you know, such cultural touchstones. Right. Of the last 30 years where you know if you if you say you don't like tarantino or his films or you you don't acknowledge the influence that he's had you'd be looked at baffled and be questioned about your your sort of your film pedigree um i think you're absolutely right uh i think there's going to be a couple things that really sort of tell the tale about how well like this film is i think chief among them will be if margot robbie gets nominated mm. i don't think she will but if she does I think we're looking to maybe not necessarily see a sweep, but quite a few wins by Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think Brad Pitt is probably the best chance at a win out of everyone. Yeah. Um, Leo, because this is his first movie since The Revenant, maybe they look at as, you know, he's already had his moment. Which also, by the way, this is his first movie since The Revenant, which seems forever ago. (laughs) That's true. Um... Yeah, I you know I think you really hit the, the nail on the head. You know, probably pick up a couple different things, whether it's cinematography. Uh, it probably won't for score because Tarantino relies so heavily on yeah other music to be the soundtrack of his movie. Um, costumes aren't really popular f- nomination picks for the seventies, so it's not yeah really, no. not really a chance. Um, but it looks like it'll probably just be mostly above the line nominations for this movie. Right, yeah, I think so too. Uh, a movie that we went and saw at TIFF was Harriet, which was, you know, being buzzed about as being a real front runner, front runner at least for star Cynthia Erivo for Best Actress, who kind of had a nice sort of coming out party last year, the year before, with Widows and a nice supporting role in that. And she's kind of been popping up in little things here and there and was looked to be the next big star uh sort of the way um maybe someone like lupita nyong'o was with 12 12 years a slave um and so harriet came we watched it it was terrible uh she might still get a nomination because you know the the lead actress category is unfortunately not always the strongest and that's usually due to the fact that there is less movies made with leading women which is a disappointment uh so she might sneak in there you know i've seen some people that still are praising her performance despite the movie i'd say she does okay but the material brings her down so much her character so much that it's hard for me to get excited about a nomination for her hmm yeah this movie yeah it was this there was a lot of um misses for me in this film and I think it tried to do so much in, in too little time or I don't know what it was, what the main issue was, but it, there just wasn't enough, um, enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. We know Janelle Monet is liked enough 
maybe she can get a supporting actress depending on how that category shakes out but she's in the movie for such a small period of time that i, I really doubt it yeah maybe costumes you know oscar loves their period yeah. piece costumes i for sure think that um the song uh that cynthia sings called stand up could definitely be in there for a song maybe song songs are always so hard to predict anyways yeah it just felt like an oscar song when it was playing during the credits it did you're right yeah all right, what's up next? Okay, so moving on to uh, Parasite, which I definitely think everyone feels is the frontrunner for uh, international film, mm-hmm. to win for international film. Uh, I think uh, Bong Joon-ho also for director. Uh, the Academy has rewarded foreign-born directors in eight of the last ten years. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Like, but I think in the... They've all been from Mexico. <laughs> I think in the climate, you know, the Oscars like to prove that they are trying to be more, more diverse. So it could have that uh, on its side. But, I mean, it did win uh, the Palme d'Or this year. And uh, I definitely think that being such a strong contender in international film, it could jump into that best picture race just like Roma did last year. So, uh, also to note, this is the first, this could be the first nominee from South Korea, which I found very surprising. That's wild. Yeah. I, like, I, I, I don't believe that. I had to look that up and like, I, I can't believe that Korea has never had a nomination before. Yeah. Wild. I was shocked. So it, it's basically, I would say at this point, the odds on favorite to win best international film at this point. And I would probably put it in the top three for for best picture running as well. And I think, you know, looking back last year, I was so on the train of Roma as winning best picture (laughs) and best foreign language film. And I think maybe what ended up happening was voters, you know, rewarded it with one and then decided to go in a different direction. And I think that's probably going to be what happens here. I could see, I can see... Bong Joon Ho winning Best Director, but not winning Best Picture. I like when they're not the same. Um, I think he has a really great vision, despite the fact that the movie is not my favorite of the year. Mm. Um, and I can see him being a worthy candidate of getting a Best Director Oscar. Uh, it's happened before, uh, as you mentioned, yes. um, with international directors. You know, it's also Ang Lee has won Best Director twice. Neither time did he win Best Picture. That was for yeah. uh, Brokeback Mountain and for Life of Pi, which is, you know, kind of shocking. So it could happen with Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, I, I can see that happening for sure. I mean, I don't have an, a big of an issue as you do with Picture and Director winning the same thing. I just like it to be different. I, 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 I totally understand. I, understand. I totally the understand. Of what they bring. But um, I like to, to think that, like, if you're Best Picture, you should be winning some other things too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't mention ones that have won nothing else. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's how I did like Parasite. I thought this was a really good film. I was excited to go see this. I didn't really know what it was about, which I think is a good thing to go into this film watching mm-hmm. uh, because it's quite complex and, and you can view it in so many different ways. Um, but I thought the acting was phenomenal. I thought the like editing and cinematography was great. I just, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, up next, I got Booksmart, which is uh, probably a long shot for, for just about everything. I don't think it's going to uh, make the cut for Best Picture. 
uh, it might get uh, a nomination for screenplay. I guess it's best original screenplay. Olivia Wilde, who is a first-time director, I think she did a really good job with it. I don't think she's going to make the cut. She's probably, you know, maybe in the 10 to 15 range if it were expanded that far down. But um, even the performances, Caitlin Devers and Beanie Feldstein, I thought were both great, but I don't think either of them will be able to squeeze in because they were co-lead, but not in a traditional leading sense, I think neither of them would really get through anyways. Yeah, and I feel like in... Comedies don't do as well. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, in this type of film, like, it doesn't have that heavy weight behind it or such a serious, you know, um, theme behind it to carry, like, the weight of, like, earning that nomination, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. But this movie didn't really do much for me. It just really kind of felt like a girl's super bad to me. Mm -hmm. Um... But not to take away from the acting, I thought both uh, ladies were really good in it. I just didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because Lady Bird a couple years ago were not quite similar themes, but about you know young girls kind of coming to age. Yeah. Um, that was also a comedy, but I think it had a lot more drama in it too. For sure. Yeah. Um, and and in that Greta Gerwig has a bit more sort of prestige behind her as well she's never been nominated for anything but she's worked with like noah Baumbach a bunch of times and sort of had a bit more credentials whereas i think olivia wilde uh doesn't really have that cachet yet yeah not yet i think she could definitely get there though Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, it was a great first film by anyone um yeah yeah what do you got next okay so uh another one i could probably talk a long time about jojo rabbit uh, Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I thought this movie was so good. I was so excited to see this and was so upset when you saw it before I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I was glad that you uh, agreed to go see it with me again. An opening weekend, I believe, right? Was, was it? it? I think no, it was within like, I think the first it was, two weeks. Yeah, I think it was a few weeks after. Okay. But um, still, the theater was packed, which mm-hmm. was so great to see. Um, and I'm so disappointed with the like... The reception, the reception yeah, and the different negative takes on this film. And I think that if anyone has a negative view or something bad to say about this that isn't technical, more of like a the way, yeah, I think they're not getting it. Yeah, like I, I, I read the reviews and I'm like, I just don't understand how you're coming to this viewpoint. Yeah, like I criticizing the satirical aspect of it where they're saying i understand it's supposed to be a satire but it's not you know this x y and z isn't working i, I look at that i'm just like are, did you watch a different cut of the movie like yeah. what like yeah i just i mean we won't get into that because that's not what the point of this yeah. this cast is about but um in terms of oscar nominations uh there's definitely been some some buzz for taika waititi as supporting actor as you know Hitler, <laughs> which would be an interesting win. Um, it wouldn't be the first time that a director uh, directed themselves to an Oscar nomination, although I do believe it would be one of the first instances where a director has um, directed himself to a supporting actor nomination because mm. I feel like it's been done a lot more when you're the lead. You usually mm. direct yourself in the lead, so I think that's kind of interesting. Special. Of course. <laughs> um, adapted screenplay. Um because his writing is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this won TIFF's People's Choice Award this year. As we all know, um, 
has an extensive history with lining up well with the Oscars. So I think that has some some weight to it and definitely has a chance to get in there. Yeah, like last year, Green Book won the People's Choice Award. Moving on. <laughs> I, for my own personal preference, I would love it if Scarlett Johansson was nominated for Supporting oh, yeah, Actress because she yeah. was so great in it. Um, but I don't think she will because of a reason we'll talk about later. Sure, She'll probably split sure. her votes. Um, I think all the acting was really well mm-hmm. done this. And like, I can't remember what the little boy's name was now, but like what his actual name is. But uh, I thought he was really good. Yeah, Roman like, Griffin Davis. Yeah, he owned the screen. He owned all his scenes. And you just, you believed his adolescence. You believed his uh, innocence. You believed where he was coming from but he was also had like serious moments and you know coming of age moments and i just liked his character arc and the way he came kind of full circle mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think this is a lock for best picture nomination mm. uh and is probably probably within the, the the five to eight range for best director as well. I think it, it could be fighting for a spot, but it's got some tough competition at the bottom right. there. I really hope so, though. Yeah. Uh, the next one is more of a, a vanity pick for me. Last Black Man in San Francisco so far is my movie of the year. It's the it's a small film directed by Joe Talbot uh, about uh, a young guy who believes that a uh, house that his grandparents built in San Francisco is sort of being run down and is not being properly taken care of of by the current residents and it's in an area that's being increasingly gentrified and so there's a, a little bit of a race element there as well too because he feels not he but the black community in general has been sort of pushed to the fringes in san francisco when they were some of the the first people to be living there i don't think i have cried as much as i have in in a movie recently this is a movie that like really reaches deep into your soul and, and hits you hard uh where you're you're very vulnerable probably the best cinematography i've seen in, in the last this few was a beautiful movie i don't think it's going to be nominated for anything i would such a shame i would kill for a cinematography nomination not to mention jimmy fails getting a best actor nomination i don't think either are happening but i think both uh gents in this film were really both good are both fantastic yeah. yeah jonathan majors as uh, as his best friend in a supporting role honestly if this movie gets one nomination it will be my my victory mm-hmm. of the year it was really good and i like strongly encourage everyone to to watch this did, is this one on netflix or did we find this somewhere else no this isn't on netflix, okay yeah. yeah but it's just like it was so beautiful to watch visually but also just beautiful a beautiful film mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely definitely check it out all right moving along so i'm going to talk about uh dolomite in my name starring eddie murphy this movie was hilarious speaking of netflix <laughs> This is one that everyone should watch off Netflix. Um, I think that Eddie Murphy could be nominated for Best Actor. I thought his portrayal was really good, um, really convincing. Um, and also for Supporting Actress, uh, Devine? Joy Rudolph? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, she was really good. And this is, I'm not sure what she's done before, but um, really good performance. Is a fun film to watch. It was an interesting film to watch based off a, a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so it was it was kind of cool to learn about this guy and and where he came from and what he did and then you know of course you get the little like photo montage at the end where you mm-hmm. get to see the real guy so that's kind of cool but uh yeah i really appreciated this film i enjoyed watching it and i also just think it was kind of an important film i think this movie could also be retitled as uh eddie murphy's reclamation project <laughs> yeah uh, he's been kind of off the face of the earth for for most of the last decade uh he last was really prominent when uh, dream girls was out and he was the front runner to win best supporting actor but many people in the industry believe that because unfortunately politics plays a very huge role in it that he kind of pissed off too many people in his time and was too arrogant that he didn't deserve to actually get the award and so this sort of this is his reclamation project and i think even the way he plays the character there's a there's a key scene in the movie where uh he's fighting with the director and he says uh if you need me to move a a box i will move the box if you need me to pick up a camera i will pick up a camera and i think that was more so eddie murphy talking to the world being like hey i know i've kind of been an abrasive jackass in the past but like I, I'm an artist and, and I'm trying to I'm trying to bring my art to life and I apologize for any sort of personal misgivings you may have about me. Right. Um, watch this beautiful movie that I'm creating. Yeah, I think it was a, a good fit for Eddie Murphy as well because I think uh, Dolomite and Murphy have such similar struggles and strife to stardom. Um, of course, Eddie Murphy starting off at, on Saturday Night Live, how long it took for him to to get on Saturday Night Live to finally get into um, some sketches and then like rising to fame quickly there and just like um, he worked hard for it and like he believed in himself just like Dolomite did like he kind of has like this um, delusions of grandeur and like believing in yourself to almost to a fault you're like I'm gonna be a star you know you know people who say that but like there are people who say that who actually are and Mm. they work for it Mm. they're not just waiting for it to happen that's who I think Eddie Murphy is and this is who Dolomite was and so I think it was like the the perfect fit because you know I think he could relate to this guy to relate to this character and that's why he just portrayed it so well there's also a bunch of guys in this movie that I could see as potential supporting actor nominations mm. too. Like there's there's at least four of them that could probably be in the running, um, which might end up they cancel all their votes out sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I really like this one, and you know it is it's a bit of an edgy film. So if edgy comedies aren't really your thing, you're probably gonna have a bit of a, a tough time sitting through some of the the crude humor, but. For every crude joke there is, there's heart underneath it as well, right. which I think sort of negates any sort of offensiveness about the movie. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, next one is The King, which is another Netflix movie uh, starring Timothy Chalamet, directed by David Michaud, uh, about um, King Henry the Fifth, uh, I believe. King. I don't remember. Yes, 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 King Henry V and his father, King Henry IV. Um, this this was, I thought, a, a really good movie. I, I really quite enjoy, you know, um, palace intrigue movies like this as the sort of subgenre that they're called. I think uh, it's a, they're really fun movies. Comparing it last year to Last King of Scotland, mm-hmm. uh, I thought this movie was better overall. Um, 
the performances and script were slightly better in Last King of Scotland, but the battle sequences I really did not like. This one was so much better. I don't know how much it's really going to be in the running for anything. Maybe a sort of super dark horse for Best Picture, but probably not really. Uh, I'd love, you know, Robert Pattinson as a supporting actor. Oh my gosh. Best uh, part of the, the film. Dauphin, absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, um, he was great. <laughs> like, I wish I could quote some of What a lines. scene stealer. Um, like, he's not even in it for that long. And just, yeah. that's what you remember from watching this movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it was a good film for yeah. sure, and the battle scenes were amazing. Like, I definitely agree with Last King of Scotland. Um, yeah, the battle scenes needed some work, but I think I prefer Last King of Scotland better. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, if you like, whether it's action movies or historical movies or somewhat Shakespearean stuff, it's definitely one it's to check there. out. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> all really there. Uh, and Timothy Chalamet is great in this, as he's great in everything, of course, because mm-hmm. he's Timothy Chalamet. He's Timothy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on. So I'm going to talk about the Joker. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're get into it. We're getting into it. <laughs> we're not going to talk too much about it or get too much into the uh, the uh, controversy that's going on. But um, this was one that when I first saw the trailer, I was so stoked for. Um, as anyone who knows me, I'm a huge Batman fan, and um, was very excited to see this kind of like origin story for the Joker and get into this nitty gritty, you know, kind of Christopher Nolan realm of, um, comic book movies. But, uh, it took me a long time to, to finally get to see it because it's been out for a while or not too long, but since September, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally was able to watch it and it kind of disappointed me. I don't know if it's because of all the hype or because of all the talk that's been going on and it's just kind of like fatigue, uh, hearing about it. But, uh, it didn't, it didn't hit it out of the park like I wanted it to, unfortunately. I think Joaquin Phoenix, you know, uh, was amazing in it. I didn't really expect anything less from him, to be honest. I mm-hmm. think he's so great in everything that he does. Um, I love Phoenix and watching him act. Um, but I just, there were just a, a bunch of things that didn't, that I didn't enjoy watching and felt were kind of like over-explained, um, so that I was a little disappointed about and I wanted it to be even darker than it was, which might seem weird to say, but, um, and I also didn't have any issues with what a lot of other people are having issues with that's not really on the top of my mind. But the thing that I absolutely loved about this movie was the score. Um, and, uh, I'll apologize before I even try to pronounce mm-hmm. her name, but Hildur Gethnandortier, uh, who uh, did the score for this film, I thought was amazing. Uh, not only was the score perfect, but like it was just so perfect for each scene. I loved how the music played such a strong role in um, convincing the viewer or bring the viewer along uh, the Joker's journey and his feelings and his emotions and what he was going through at that time. So I thought that was like such a perfect pair. Uh, but this would be the eighth time, I believe, that a woman has been nominated for um, original score in Oscar history, and also the fifth Icelandic nomination um, overall in Oscar history. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's got a real strong um, resume. She uh, won Best Score in the Venice Film Festival this year, and has also won an Emmy this year. Uh, for her score in the limited series Chernobyl. So I think um, 
she could be a real contender in that category. Of course, Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is going to pop up for Best Actor. Um, 100%. Of course, which I, th- I think is fair also. Um, I think also, of course, for Picture and Director, you could get nominations there depending on how the rest of the conversation goes, I guess. Uh, yeah, I would say it's pretty likely it's game picture, maybe maybe in the back half for, for best director. Right. I, don't, I don't really know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, how did, yeah, how did you feel about it? I, I think this is, everyone, you, everyone is expecting everyone to have a really strong opinion on this in one way or other, and I just really don't. Just I just fell in the middle? Yeah, I was just like, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, next movie is Avengers Endgame. Uh, I think the only thing it really has a shot for is visual effects. Like, there's really no point in talking about it. It's probably going to win visual effects. Um, Potentially. Because it might even be looked at as, like, um, sort of the Return of the King, you know. Parting gift. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know the MCU isn't ending after this. But no, but this, this, this would be the, the, yeah. the end of the big thing that they've been this working on. Yeah, for the last 10 years yeah but really that's about it i know there's probably going to be some sections of the internet that wants it to be nominated for best picture or some of the actors whether it's scarlett johansson or chris evans or robert downey jr things like that but like whatever it's, it's what a joke it, yeah it's giving it like i like it it was fine <laughs> but it's all all it's gonna get is uh is visual effects uh so another film that we were able to see of course from this year was toy story 4 Lots of hype whenever Toy Story comes back to the big screen. Every um, time you thought the last one was the last yeah. one. So this is the last one, guys. For now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoyed, I saw this one twice. I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. I was like, yeah, you know what? This is good. This is, this didn't need to happen, but I'm glad that it did happen. And then the second time I saw it, I felt a little less happy about it. But um Maybe it's just one of those movies you should only watch once. I don't know. But I thought that Tony Hale was the perfect voice casting uh, choice for Forky. Uh, just totally made that film. And as Woody is my absolute favorite Pixar character. So I will, was so happy to have a story that revolved pretty much around him and solely him. But I think that's what hindered this film is that you lost, you know, all the other toys they just weren't there enough and the camaraderie that comes with this gang of toys that you've gone through three movies for and such a heavy one in toy story three and the the the, you know the plight they went through um so that was a little disappointing to only have them in it for such a small and incremental time uh which was unfortunate but of course this is going to get nominated for best animated film of the year uh, Pixar never fails in that category to show up. Um, and of course, probably for original song, as all Toy Stories uh, go hand in hand with. Yeah, Ray Newman is, is pretty much a lock for that. I would say pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they ever did nominate voice performances, I thought I think Tony Hale would be in the running. So good. Unfortunately, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> did you see those um, Forky Halloween costumes this year? Really? Terrifying. I can't imagine. They look so weird. I mean, first of all, he's a, a popsicle stick and pipe a cleaner. A fork. Spoon. Fork. Spork. Yeah, spork. Pipe cleaners and popsicle sticks for feet. Like, the, <laughs> like it was just weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Going to run through a couple more just very quickly. Uh, I've seen two documentaries so far, Apollo 11 and American Factory. Both of them look to be front runners 
to be nominated and even potentially win Apollo 11 chronicles that mission but completely from footage there's no talking heads there's no narration nothing like that interviews uh, it's just piecing together whether it's news footage or uh, actual archival footage from like security cameras and things like that piecing it all together the the launch what was happening in space and then their landing and it's absolutely phenomenal if you can see that definitely watch it uh, and then American Factory is another Netflix movie that sort of has the terrifying look of what is happening when you have um, China sort of encroaching into the U.S. and not to help us make money but to uh, assert influence really. Uh, both are really interesting. American Factory is actually produced by the Obamas. They came in afterwards um, and, uh, and produced in put it on their new production company and, and got it on Netflix, that sort of thing. So both are definitely worth checking out. Last one I want to quickly mention is The Laundromat, which is the new Steven Soderbergh movie. You tell me Steven Soderbergh is doing a crime comedy movie. I am all over that. Unfortunately, this movie just felt absolutely flat. It looked to be a front runner for uh, maybe Gary Oldman or Meryl Streep or a few other people. And really, I like... I could just have not have hated this movie more. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. So at the beginning, I mentioned that there wasn't one this year that I saw that was like, ugh, this would be it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this was like such a disappointment. Like I went in really excited. Even the trailer sort of looked interesting. And it just I completely fell on its own face. And it, it's so bad. Like it came out and there's like a little bit of controversy around it for like the first week. And then... It was just so bad that everyone just stopped talking about it. It was it wasn't even an issue anymore because no one cared. Do you think it will get any nominations? No, no, and it better not. Because I know there were some people who were like, "Oh, it's amazing!" Oh, Meryl Streep, and I'm like, "Did we watch the same movie?" Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't. It it didn't really get that great ratings. Some of it got decent. There was like reviews. random ones. Yeah. yeah, but like it seemed like by and large it was not appreciated. Hmm. All right. We're going to take a short break, but what is going to happen is you're going to get to hear an excellent interview, as I teased at the top of the show, with Colin Mercer, the creator of Game Time. Uh, it is a new YouTube sketch series. Listen to that, and then we're going to come back and talk about some more movies. Come with me for a moment, okay? <laughs> Looks like he's having an acid flashback. I think I might help him along. Give me the phone call. I started using my vibrator again. Are you even trying to be professional? I'm calling my agent! I am now joined with Colin Mercer, the showrunner, also an actor and writer on the new sketch comedy series, Game Time Comedy. Thank you for joining me today, Colin. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Dakota. I'm uh, I'm excited to have you. We actually kind of, we're, we're friends, I think that's the best way to, to put this. Yeah. Um, we we met through another mutual creative friend, and since then I feel like there's been a little bit of back and forth of, you know, seeing different work that uh, that you do in the different community that you come from, and so it's been a lot of fun to sort of see 
how you have evolved and gotten your work out there. And you've got this wonderful new project that I'm really excited to talk about. Oh, thanks so much, man. Yeah. So talk about it. Thanks for all your support over the, over the creation of it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Uh, so like I said, the, your new project is called game time comedy. And, uh, I guess just right off the bat, where did this idea come from to make these sort of, um, short length, uh, digital sketches, I guess, is the uh, the best way to sort of describe it now, unless you have a better way to, to sort of word it. Yeah, so the comedy sketches came out of this idea that when I was watching an episode of Black Mirror, and it was particularly dark, uh, but I thought it was still so relevant to my life in that, oh, this is kind of how, like, a lot of the interaction with technology that I have or that I see within my friends or, you know, just people on the street is sort of this like kind of oddly like dark, sometimes a little um, removed, obsessive, addicted type of relationship. And I was like, man, this, you know, the show obviously does a great job of highlighting kind of that side of modern society and i was like "Ah, i feel like there's got to be a lot of comedy in this because so much of the interactions that i have with my phone or with people who are like through their phone or through other various um forms of technology are kind of funny so i was like well why don't i'm just trying to make a sketch comedy show that is a collision of those two worlds like kind of like snl meets black mirror that's really interesting i i feel like I had a segue there, but you pretty much already answered it because one of the things that I was interested in is in several of your sketches, you often are mining suspense and uncomfortable moments for humor. And so I guess the question I would then next want to know is how do you think darker material really plays into comedy? Yeah, great question. So I'll probably say that there is a threshold where if it's too dark, it goes from being you know, maybe mildly funny or relatable to there being too much tension or discomfort in the audience. And I think that in the first five sketches that we released online on our YouTube channel, Game Time Comedy, uh, we sort of weave the line where some of them maybe push you know, into standard sketch, like Little Dots, for instance, which is kind of just about a roommate who's obsessing over his phone and his, his roommates trying to essentially talk him off the ledge um, uh, to one like Coach Thang, which is a little bit more on the dark side. And though when we screened it for to a room full of people was very funny, when we've, we've heard that when people watch it on their own, they are sort of more on the black mirror spectrum. So it's cha- it's been a learning experience for us to really try and map out, okay, what is the perfect line? And obviously there's no perfection in the creation of this art form, but you know, what's the appropriate line for us that we can kind of walk and definitely being able to experiment with these five sketches and with the 25, 30 other ones that we have written and ready to shoot. um, We are learning kind of what is, what works best for us as a, as an offering to the world. That's interesting because when, when you talk about whatever that threshold line is, I sort of immediately come to mind two recent movies uh, that sort of do that balancing act in, in different ways. And one of them being Get Out, which I think is 
one that almost everyone has seen where uh, depending on your sort of uh, worldview and perception and definitely your race, you sort of interpret the comedy and the horror very differently. And then also, um, this movie is probably not as well known, but um, The Death of Stalin, which is more of a satire. But if you remove a few punchlines here and there, I feel like that movie would almost be a straight up horror movie as well. And I think watching your sketches, it sort of is trying to straddle a similar line of if you add one more punchline, you'd probably eliminate the the suspense element. Or if you remove one more punchline, it would be more straight up intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a really um, interesting observation. We definitely feel the same way. Like, uh, especially about, both those movies because one of the members of our cast we have an ensemble cast of six people and uh, one of the actors scott actually was talking about the death of stalin sort of around when we were filming uh shrink sesh one of the um sketches that he stars in and it was just a really good reference point for us because it sort of has this like like bizarre satirical quality to it that was very appropriate for what we were doing um, and Get Out as well. I mean, it's such an incredible film, and, and it, it weaves this line of like discomfort and horror and suspense, but also sort of comedic discomfort. Um, so those are great references, and we're definitely trying to make uh, things that make people laugh, but also make people think at the end of them. You know, where you kind of reflect on it, and you go, oh, interesting. That's a relationship with technology or with media or with modern life that maybe I haven't thought of before. Hmm, that's really cool. Now, as you've already said, you, you've got five sketches already produced and, and up for everyone to see. And you, you mentioned how you have about 25 to 30 more written. What is the writing process like? And, and how do you decide which ones you're going to move forward with and shoot? <laughs> well, right now, it's uh, whichever ones we can film for the least amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think... We were fortunate in kind of the first creation phase where we received some grant money to get to make uh, a few of the sketches. So that sort of subsidized the costs. But uh, now we're at this phase where we really need there to be large-scale consumption, um, like huge audience numbers for us to sort of scale up our production um, and thus and be able to make more of the sketches that have already been written. So you know the the writing process itself. Usually it sort of starts with um, like an idea will just walk into my mind um, like about, oh, wow, that's a peculiar way that I just interacted with, you know, technology with, you know, with someone or that was a really bizarre interaction I just witnessed or, oh, that's a crazy interaction I just heard about. You know, it's sort of like reflective of the world in which um, myself and and the rest of the, the cast live in. And then from there, just try and squeeze a story that's never been told into five minutes or less. Um, for instance, The Drip, which is one of the sketches that uh, we've released online. And uh, you know, we filmed it, I think, last, last summer. Um, what we tried to do there is just essentially make a game show where people are trying to become famous and rich, except they subject themselves, they volunteer to go through a, a type of psychological torture that renders them unable to even recognize that they are now famous and rich. 
Um, and I thought that was sort of a interesting commentary on maybe society's relationship with fame and with wealth or the perception of wealth or like the desire for fame and wealth. I, I think specifically for The Drip, that was one when I started watching it within like the first 30 seconds. It's one of this, oh yeah, this isn't going to end well for anyone involved uh, in this world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... It goes there. <laughs> one of my brothers watched that one. Was like, "Ooh, too dark for me." <laughs> hey, fair enough. Fair enough. I feel you. I particularly enjoyed it uh, because, as I said at the top of the interview, we have a mutual friend, Sebastian Hines, who actually acts in that uh, sketch as well. So it was nice to see him pop up in in one of your shorts. For sure, yeah. Oh, it's so great to work with Sebastian. He's always so busy in the theater that uh, you know to to get to work with him. Even for, for like, I mean, I think he had to drive back and do a show that night, so we only got him for a couple hours. Um, wow. It was just such a such a joy. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so once you have these sketches written, how do you go about deciding who in your ensemble is getting the parts? Is it as soon as you're writing, you go, oh, yeah, I know exactly who's going to be playing this, or does it sort of finesse its way out afterwards? Yeah, it kind of finesses itself out after after we've read through it, usually we'll start with a couple read-throughs. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get together and read seven or eight scripts and kind of there's like loose casting. And, you know, after that first read-through, maybe we'll switch it up and, you know, change roles or change, you know, even sometimes change genders, change anything, uh, remove characters, put in new characters. And then kind of as it approaches the finish line, it'll solidify. But sometimes even not. I mean, uh, one sketch that we have out, Shrink Sesh, uh, Leia, who's in it, she's so awesome in it. Um, all three of the actors are just are just great in that sketch. Uh, but we were unsure because she was in rehearsals for a play. We were unsure if um, she was even going to be able to film on the day that we had set aside to film. So Tal, one of the other actresses in uh, the the company, uh, had memorized all the lines and had done a few rehearsals just to make sure that if Leia at the last minute couldn't do it, that you know we could at least still film. So there's a really nice collaborative sort of like. You know, covering each other and making sure that we're working as a team, you know, feeling a real good energy there. Um, but also, sometimes people are just like, "Oh, I want to play that role," or "Oh, you know, maybe this role would be better for Tony, or this role would be better for Rose, or something." So, yeah, that's interesting. Do you have much improvisation done on set, or mostly what is written down is what is performed? Uh, improvising in the read-throughs for sure, and improvising in the rehearsals definitely. Uh, and depending on how much time we have to film them. We'll improvise a bit on the day, but I find that sometimes it can be a bit of um, a dangerous game because you know, if we don't have enough time to get all the footage and we're like improvising and creating the stuff on the day, then we might sacrifice what we had worked on for you know a couple of rehearsals, a couple of months. So you want to make sure you get everything, but also it's like oh, on the day everyone's feeling it and you know the characters are really popping. And, that improv is just coming. It's like you want to capture that creative energy as well. So it's a bit of a, again, a bit of a fine line to walk there. But yeah, improvising is is great, and it's so awesome when uh, when we get to do it. Interesting. Uh, I I find the the finished products have a, a very cinematic quality to them, making them seem very heightened. What stylistic choices are you really employing to achieve these effects while you're filming? Definitely having the incredible 
crew on board. Our cinematographer, Max F. Sims, is just a artist with the camera. And our production designer, Walid Ansari, is incredible. And, uh, you know, they sort of paint the worlds, if you will. Uh, and with, with their aesthetic and their attention to detail, it kind of allows for the pieces to be a bit more cinematic in nature. Um, we also, like, just, you know, the whole, the whole teams who are on them really do just a great job of creating a world that is uh, slightly heightened. Um, and, you know, because of that, it, it, fortunately, we get a lot of bang for our buck, um, you know, because I love sketch comedy and, um, you know, definitely watch a lot of sketch comedy online where, you know, it's pretty much just like a couple of friends just setting up some cameras and, and filming and it's hilarious. Um, but what we sort of wanted to try and do was make something that had the quality of a TV show but was going to be perceived or accepted or consumed through a digital platform, at least at first. No, obviously we would love to scale up to being a TV show or on Netflix or something, but we kind of wanted to just like really offer a high quality to our audience. Interesting. Uh, now I know you're, you're talking earlier about Black Mirror sort of being the, the jumping point for where this idea came from, but do you have any other influences either when you're writing or, or shooting, whether it be TV shows, movies, other sketch comedy, things like that? Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, like in terms of the actual look or the creation of it um probably just any comedy that we've watched whether it's something from apatow and his entire team or you know the latest uh sketch coming out of um key and peel like sort of that visual language um but in terms of performance like definitely we all have different touchstones i know leia um like grew up watching robin williams and mrs doubtfire and that's like a you know pretty nice touchstone for her um Everyone kind of has like a different couple of people or people they kind of relate to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, for myself at least, I'd say, what would Jim do? Hmm. And then, then have a go. Interesting. Do your uh, do your directors and, and director of photographers, photographies ever come to the set with different ideas of where what they sort of want to look like to help influence the product? Uh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, I think that for... All the sketches, there's a, there's a lot of back and forth around the visual aesthetic. Um, what is the plan for the show? You, you've released five episodes so far. Are there more coming? Uh, are you taking a little bit of a break to write and film some more? Let me know what's happening with it. Yeah, so we'd love to release a ton more. Um, we'd love to kind of be able to put out about 40 sketches within the next you know, year and a half. The challenge there is that we need the financing and the support so we can actually uh, create them at the quality we want to create them. And so right now we've been pitching around looking for financiers or, you know, production partners. Uh, if we end up where we need to, you know, go back to the grant table and get a few more grants, that's cool too. But for right now, we're just pushing these five sketches and trying to get a lot of viewership, a lot of support on them. And the reception has been pretty positive, actually. I've been really impressed with the reach that it's had so far, even though some of the sketches have just been released for like, you know, a, 
a couple of weeks, if that. Yeah, so essentially, we'd love to keep doing this and getting to tell unique stories about, you know, how ridiculous all of our relationship with technology and media can be. Uh, but we just need to find the right partner to uh, to go a little bit further. Interesting. Will there be any sort of connective narratives between future sketches, or are you envisioning them all to be one-offs? Oh yeah, we have a few. <laughs> we have a few sequels and connective narratives for sure. Yeah, uh, maybe I won't say too much about that, um, but there will be some characters that get to come back um, in ways. Out of the five sketches so far, we might potentially get to see some of them explore their world a little bit further, is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. Or the world within a world, uh, like for certain characters. Hmm. Um but I might even be saying too much there <laughs> if, uh, if I'm trying to keep, yeah, keep a lid on it. Say no more. Um, you had to do a, a nude scene in Porn Actor. What made you write that part for yourself? Uh, well, that's a great question, Dakota. <laughs> I, do that? Uh, <laughs> I think I was just shocked and still sort of like surprised at the lack of male nudity on screen, whether it's in like cinema or TV uh, or, you know, just kind of how like male sexuality seemed to have kind of been co-opted into being like, just like guys with really big muscles. And I was like, I would, I'm not really that ripped. You know, I'm just like a, I feel like I'm pretty average dude or, um, you know, a thin, thin guy. And I was like, man, like, if there was just a meek, thin dude who found himself on a porn set and didn't realize that he was about to be like the star in a porno, like how would he react? I was like, well, he would probably break down crying completely naked. I was like, yeah, that'd be a really funny sketch. I think we should try and write that. So yeah, that, that came out of that. And also I sort of had this thing where I was like, oh man, like a lot of female roles are overly sexualized. I was like, oh, it'd be interesting to kind of try and flip the script and make it so that there isn't any nudity in these, like female nudity, sorry, in uh, in these sketches, and that there's just male nudity. Um, so it wasn't like I was like, oh, I can't wait to get naked on set. Uh, it was more like, uh, I think this would be a really funny situation to explore. Male nudity is almost always hilarious. <laughs> I'm happy to hear you feel that way. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Jason Siegel in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I mean, that man, like... Like just he 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 broke down barriers. Good 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 on him for a real uh, pioneer. A real pioneer, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is awesome to hear. Uh, as as we both have mentioned, all of your sketches are available on YouTube now. But if people want to find you, find your work, reach out, what is what is the best way to really go about this? Yeah, so our sketches are on YouTube at game time you can search game time the drip if you want to see one of the sketches uh if you want to connect with us on facebook instagram or twitter we are at game time comedy and yeah if you, you know, want to throw us a comment or a like or a subscribe that'd be awesome because we need all the support and if you you know if you think some friends may like the uh, may like the sketches please send them along and, and try and spread the word 
that's awesome. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to, to say about this work that you're doing or you want people to know about? No, just that, uh, you know, I think our relationship with technology and media has changed a little bit. And I think that there's a lot of fodder for humor and uh, it doesn't always need to be as dark as Black Mirror, um, however awesome that show is. Uh, so, you know, we're just trying to make some, some comedy about how the world's changing in a, in a you know, kind of unpredictable way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Colin. I can't wait to see more Game Time sketches. Yeah, thanks so much, Dakota. I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Drip, the game show where one drop of water falls on each contestant's head every 10 seconds. They're secured in place, so they can't dodge the drip, and only they have the power to get free. The last person to push their freedom button wins one million dollars and one million followers! Last week. Well, that was awesome. I hope you all really enjoyed it. Colin's a hilarious guy, and his work is terrific. I really think you should check it out. He mentioned a couple of the... the sketches that you can watch on youtube i highly recommend checking out the drip or porn actor or little dots those are those are three of my favorites uh, and really funny so i hope you enjoy them as much as i did and i hope you enjoyed that interview as much as i had conducting it now that said we are going to get back into our oscar predictions we talked about briefly I guess not so briefly, longly, about movies <laughs> we had seen and what we think they're going to do. Now we're going to talk about movies we haven't seen that's getting good buzz and potentially could be seen at the Oscars. So I'm going to start it off with a big one, and that is The Irishman. That is Martin Scorsese's return to the gangster film genre, and he seemed to have knocked it out of the park. All reviews of it, all three hours, are getting absolutely praised. I saw the first trailer, and the whole, like, de-aging of Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and Harvey Keitel uh, really freaked me out and it's still kind of weird to see clips of it but by all accounts this movie is phenomenal and I cannot wait to see it. It is now out on Netflix after it did do a short engagement in some select cities uh, at theaters which it did play in Toronto at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. I kind of wish I saw it there but Oh, well, I missed it. Uh, is this one that you're curious about seeing? So, you know I'm going to be nervous about a movie being long when the trailer is long. It was a long trailer. <laughs> um, it's definitely one that I will sit down and see if I can sit through. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm not dying to see it, but I'll watch it because of the buzz. This looks like it's going to be a front runner for Best Picture, a front runner for Best Director for Scorsese, a front runner for Best Actor for Robert De Niro, which is absolutely shocking since Robert De Niro the last 30 years has basically phoned everything in. Although he was pretty decent in Joker. It was a small part, but he was decent. Yeah, he was coherent. Uh, yeah, he wasn't bad, which is basically the baseline for a Robert De Niro performance. Oh, and Al Pacino. I forgot about Al Pacino. Um, Al Pacino for supporting actor looks pretty likely to be nominated maybe even be a bit of a front runner it's probably going to be up there for cinematography what I've heard of the score sounds fantastic I wouldn't be surprised if the Irishman maybe leads the Oscars with nominations yeah I can definitely see it going that way yeah all right what do you have that you have not seen that you are excited about so one I'm definitely excited for is Marriage Story uh, starring Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson 
So you tell me that there is a movie with Adam Driver in it, and I will go and see it. <laughs> to the point where we were at a screening for a different TIFF movie, and this was having this <laughs> world premiere in the same building, and you threatened to leave me and just go to that premiere to see I, if you uh, could find Adam Driver. I was going to seek him out, but I didn't. Uh-huh. I stayed. Uh-huh. Um, no, I'm very excited to see this one, not only because of Adam Driver, but because uh, it just actually looks really good and it's been getting lots of good talk um for both driver and johansson i can see both of them getting nominations especially adam driver that he's got a lot of talk behind it um could definitely be there uh for director and for sure for picture uh with all the buzz that it's been getting i just think that um it looks really good. I loved both trailers that were released for this. One from his side, one from her side. I love that concept. Yeah, so, good. so amazing. It's essentially the same trailer, but from different point, the two different points of view. Um, so I'm very excited to see this one. I think it's going to be a heavy one, but I think it's going to be a really good one. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited. I, I think both Driver and uh, Johansson are going to be front runners. It's going to be tough competition for them. Baumbach is definitely going to be there for director, screenplay, picture, like you all mm-hmm. said. So I, I think this is going to be another high-nominated one. It, it Maybe it's going to be more above the line where I probably won't be getting as many of the technical things. Um, so we'll probably have a bit less nominations than The Irishman, but it's going to be right up there. Now, when I read this cast out to you, tell me what you think. Saoirse Ronan... Emma Watson, Timothy Chalamet, Florence Pugh, Laura Dern, Tracy Letts, Bob Odenkirk, Chris Cooper, and Meryl Streep. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Minus one in particular, but I won't (laughs) call her out by name. Don't do Emma Watson like that. (laughs) You sold me out. (laughs) Uh, This is the cast for Greta Gerwig's New Little Women that she is doing. She is uh, adapting this well-adapted book into a movie. Uh, I was a huge fan of Lady Bird, so of course I'm excited for this. And when you've got a cast of that many strong actors, I'm definitely really curious to see. We've been burned before when there have been pictures with a stacked cast, I think specifically of another Meryl Streep movie, August Osage County, which Mm. had a terrific cast and was just sort of okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Interestingly enough, that play was written by Tracy Letts, who's in this movie. Um, And so there's always the chance that it might not work out, uh, but this is pretty tried and true material, and I sort of trust Greta Gerwig to do it justice she did such a great job with lady bird that i I really feel strongly for her will it make the cut i don't know Mm. it's probably going to be in the running for like the bottom half of best picture she's probably not going to get nominated for director i could see maybe one of the performers getting nominated whether it's sersha or emma watson or even florence Pugh. maybe Um, maybe i feel like maybe there's just too many of them to pick one yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see who they push for they're probably gonna push one of them to be lead and then probably put their chips behind another one to be supporting based on however reviews are uh maybe timothy chalamet as well because he's got that pedigree now right uh which is weird to say about uh kid who's so (laughs) young i know um but uh there he is i guess he's not that young he's he's 24 years old at this point so young young in his career we'll say (laughs) Um, so yeah, it might be nominated for a few things. Mm-hmm. It might not. Mm-hmm. Probably maybe adapted screenplay. We'll see. Yeah. 
So 1917 is another film that I'm very excited to see. I think it looks very good. Um, another uh, war film. So this one will definitely be in the running for all those sound uh, mixing and editing uh, awards because that tends to be the Academy's favorite sounds, I guess. Mm, war, sounds, yes. war sounds, bullets and bombs and, you know, things exploding. And definitely for uh, special effects, of course, because you need the visuals that go along with those bullets and bombs and explosions. And most likely also for cinematography. Um, the trailer looks really good uh, in terms of cinematography, but also just enjoyability. So uh, I'm excited for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am too. Reviews have just started to come out for it. And it looks like it's going to be one of the best reviewed movies of the year so far. Um, it's really going to be up there for, for picture and director, the, the big ones. Uh, I can see it not getting any acting nominations because it seems mm-hmm. like it's going to be not as much of a, a showy performance as in that aspect. So who knows? But I'm, I'm very excited. I love Sam Mendes as a director. He's, he's so good. He's one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah, you do. Um, next up is Ford versus Ferrari which is the movie about Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, by this point, it's going to be one of the more well-known movies of the year. You know, it's got Christian Bale, it's got Matt Damon. It, uh, it's getting pretty decent reviews. It seems like this is kind of the, a movie for a bit of the older crowd that, that likes movies that are not too complicated. It's got good performances. It's got some cool racing scenes. And it's got good-looking cars in it. <laughs> Christian Bale, Matt Damon, both like the both are liked by the Academy, so they could potentially show up in a nomination. Depends which one they push for lead and which one they push for support. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't really know who has more screen time. Uh, looks like it really is kind of a two-hander, maybe a bit more of Matt Damon's story than it is Christian Bale's story. Potentially, maybe. But. Who knows? Uh, wouldn't be it wouldn't shock me to see this uh, get a nomination for that. Maybe for uh, for sound effects like sound. Editing yeah, sound I can see it going there for sure. Maybe best picture as like the tenth slot. If there's ten movies, I could see it being the ten, number ten. Maybe. Yeah, it's not one that I'm particularly looking forward to seeing. Just looks like a like a family film to me. But I don't know. I'd Maybe watch it. I'd watch <laughs> it. But like, yeah, I'm not like racing out to see it. <laughs> oh, I thought you did there. <laughs> All right, moving along. Um, Let's speed uh, things up. (laughs) Okay, all right. (laughs) Uh, Another one I'm excited to see is The Farewell, starring Aquafina. I'm I'm a big Aquafina fan. Uh, I'm very excited to see her in more of a serious role. Um, This uh, could also be up there for original screenplay and supporting actress for Xu Chen Zhao, if I said that correctly, hopefully. Um, this is one I've been wanting to see for a while now and just can't seem to get to watch it. So, um, it's probably my number one on the list right now that I can currently watch (laughs) that is currently available to me. Yeah. This, this movie kind of was the type that opened in just a few cities and wasn't really talked about it. And then like, as it grew, people were talking about it more and more and it just, it's probably become like the biggest success story of the year. Lulu Wang has been getting a ton of accolades for her screenplay and for her directing. And I would love to see uh, someone like her get nominated for Best Director, but it looks like this movie is just a little bit too small. And the fact that it came out early, so early in the year, it's probably not. You'll get like 
movies like this that come out early in the year will get like one acting nomination and that's sort of about it so it looks like Aquafina is going to be the one uh and then if we're lucky the second one for supporting actress but right yeah i'm not sure if that will actually happen though yeah much like uh last black man in san francisco if this yeah. gets if this gets yeah. a nomination that's the victory right is that it can point out and be like hey this is an oscar nominated movie it's going to bring attention more people will probably want to see it just by getting a single nomination mm-hmm. yeah sort of thing. uh next up is a beautiful day in the neighborhood the tom hanks mr rogers biopic directed by marielle heller who um Last year did a great film in Can You Ever Forgive Me that was was quite well received and one that we really liked. Yeah. Great performances in that. And this looks like uh, Tom Hanks is probably going to be nominated for Best Actor, or Best Supporting Actor, sorry, because he is not actually the lead. Matthew Reese is the lead in this. But it looks like they're going to push really hard for Tom Hanks. He's probably going to be, you know, the number one or number two in that category, uh, likely to win it. Other than that, I don't know how much else it's going to get. It, I don't think it's getting good enough reviews or sort of enough overly enthusiastic reviews to get a Best Picture nomination um, or Best Director nomination for Marielle Heller. Uh, but hey, you know, maybe this is the movie that will finally get people to learn who Tom Hanks is because apparently he isn't well known enough to be answered on Jeopardy. No, yeah. Which is shocking. I know. I love Tom Hanks, and uh, but this is another one that's not high up on my list. I'm sure it's great, but it's just not one that I'm rushing out there to see. Uh, but I believe it would be it will be a, a good one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, next we have Hustlers. Uh, Jennifer Lopez has a lot of uh, talk behind her uh, role, I guess, in this one. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see this one. It's, um, I think it's just going to be like a fun movie to watch. I don't foresee it getting any other kind of nomination, um, or poll, but, uh, I grew up loving Jennifer Lopez movies in particular, uh, which is kind of weird to say and a little bit of a guilty, um, secret, but there it is. So, uh, I'll, I'll watch it just for the fun of it and to see her, uh, cause she still looks amazing. Yeah. Can't deny that. She is. I'm curious about this movie. It wasn't one that I was high up on when it came out. I was like, oh, it doesn't look that great. Uh, But the fact that people keep raving about it must be good for something other than watching Jennifer Lopez go up and down on a stripper pole. So who knows? Maybe that's it. That's why you're watching it? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, gosh. Next up is Bombshell, which is the movie about uh, Roger Isles who was the head of Fox News and how he was accused of sexual assault by several of the female employees there. Uh, And this movie also has a terrific cast. You've got Margot Robbie and Charlize Theron uh, and Jennifer Morrison, Allison Janney, Nicole Kidman, Mark Duplass, Alice Eve, and it goes on and on with John Lithgow playing Roger Isles. This is a movie that I'm really interested about. I like what they're doing with the subject matter. I love this cast. The trailer looks kind of interesting, but what's holding me back is director Jay Roach. He's someone that I've never been huge into. Uh, He did the Austin Powers movies. He did a pretty decent job a couple years ago with Trumbo, the Bryan Cranston movie. But overall, I feel like he's a bit of a safe director. Like, 
I would compare his career trajectory a bit with Adam McKay's at the beginning, but Adam McKay, I think, has been able to handle doing more serious subject matter a lot better than Jay Roach has. That said, I'm interested because Charles Randolph wrote it earlier this year. I had the chance to actually meet Charles Randolph at a screenwriting conference, and at the time, there was no name for this movie, and he jokingly put out that if you... Uh, come up with a winning name for the movie that you'll get a, a credit in the movie so i don't know how that ended up happening i think originally they were planning on calling it fair but balanced or whatever it is, whatever was the the fox tagline right um but i'm i'm cautiously optimistic i'm a little leery about this one i'm i'm not sure how it's gonna go um i'm I'm interested to see how how it plays out, um, how it shows, but I'm nervous for it. I, I I can't really put my finger on it or explain why. I just feel like it could be so. Um, what's the word? Like just weighted, pointed, and in a way I mean? that like, like the laundromat sort of was too yeah, on the nose. Yeah, yeah, just too on the nose. Yeah, yeah, there it is. That's what I think. It looks like Charlize Theron already getting early buzz, probably going to get nominated. Uh, other than that, I don't really know at this point. Hmm. Okay, uh, next one we've got Knives Out. Uh, star-studded cast also, again. I feel like Daniel Craig could be one of the ones who steps out from the cast as a supporting actor role uh this is getting lots of talk also i think it's going to be a really fun watch i'm excited to see it uh we're hoping to see it with a bunch of friends because i think it's it's going to be like a fun movie to see with with a bunch of people to go and see together yeah, this, and this enjoy is a movie that you see in a packed audience yeah yeah you want to hear everyone laughing at the same things you want to see everyone yeah gasping at the same things and shop being shocked and whatnot so i think uh with that, uh, it could also be nominated for original screenplay um, and director with Ryan Johnson up there, of course, and best picture. Uh, getting talk for for making it onto onto that top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the only nomination it gets is best picture, but I think all the other things that are, are a possibility as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, up next is the two popes, which is. Uh, I don't know. I think the only this is the only time that it's ever happened, but it might have happened otherwise. Normally what happens is a pope serves as pope until they die, and then they select a new pope. But uh, the last time it happened, there was a actual handover where um, Pope Francis stepped down. Sorry, Pope Benedict XVI stepped down, and Pope Francis was then picked to be the next pope. Uh, and so there was a bit of an actual handing over. And so this movie is about the two of them sort of talking about the roles and what it means to be the Pope and all this sort of stuff. And you've got two fantastic actors and Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins. And it sounds like this is going to be a bit of a meditative movie about, you know, life, religion, philosophy, all the sorts of things with two really good actors just sort of going toe-to-toe talking. And that has me really interested. Uh, director Fernando Morales did The Constant Gardener, which is a movie I'm a big fan of. He also did City of God, which I haven't seen, but I know a lot of people love. 
so this is one I'm really interested to see who are they going to put forward for what acting category. And those might be the only role, the only nominations it gets, but I think they'll at least get one of them. It looks like probably Jonathan Price as Pope Francis. Hmm. Yeah. Could be a good one. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be a talky one, like a dialogue heavy one. Which is I'm I'm interested in that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think there's some great movies that are just bouncing back and forth. As a former Catholic, it really intrigues <laughs> me to sort of see what the you know instead of palace intrigue, Vatican intrigue mm, is. Yeah, <laughs> there's a new genre for you. Yeah, know? there we go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, another Netflix movie. You know, sort of the the theme of the show. Netflix is doing big things this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so another one on my list is Waves. I think if the movie is as gorgeous as this trailer, it's going to be amazing. Um, it draws you in. I think it just looks so beautiful, and so I'm very excited to see it. I'm also a huge fan of Sterling K. Brown. Um, I think he's a really good actor, so I, I want to see how he portrays um, this fatherly figure and uh, in these this family going through some hard times and uh pulling pulling on each other to get through it so i think it's gonna be an emotional one but i love emotional films so i'm very very excited mm-hmm. yeah this this one looks interesting it was directed by trey edward schultz who we were a big fan of his first film Cretia, uh which was a, a very small movie that he did a great job with that where it kind of blends different genres together where it was a bit of a a family drama but also a bit of a psychological horror Horror, film at points Mm -hmm. Uh, so i'm definitely curious to see what he's going to do with this one it looks like it's going to be super heavy though yeah 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 um next one i want to talk about is pain and glory which is the new pedro almodovar film with uh antonio banderas it could basically be summed up as almodovar's version of fellini's eight and a half where it's the main character is playing a director who is the actual director, but not really um, <laughs> talking about their life, their muses, their heartbreaks, their ups and downs and, and that sort of thing. Antonio Banderas won best um, actor at Cannes, and I could see him very easily being one of the leaders for best actor uh, at the Oscars. He's actually never been nominated for an Oscar, which is kind of surprising. Hmm. He's yeah. been around for quite a long time that and is surprising. quite well liked. Um, I think some people maybe thought the laundromat might be his ticket, but looks like Pain and Glory, which is going to also be up for Best International Picture, probably the number two to Parasite, uh, looks to be his best chance ever. Yeah, I'm always excited for, for ones like this, mm-hmm. for yeah, foreign films. Um, okay, so um, another one on our list is Uncut Gems, uh, a very intrigued to watch this one since it's been getting um a lot of of talk and praise especially behind adam sandler he's not really one that you think oh adam sandler that movie's gonna be fantastic <laughs> especially or not oh lately. yeah oh adam sandler he's got another new netflix movie out <sighs> <laughs> so i think this is you know something fresh something new that we haven't seen from him before so that's kind of why it's on the top of my list just because of all this buzz and because of all this talk so I want to know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And this isn't to say like Adam Sandler is the one actor where he's done it a few times where you're like, you're a good actor. Why, why are you doing the shit that you do? There's like nonstop Netflix releases where he makes a ton of money and you know, it's great. He gets to go on fun vacations with his friends, but like he actually has it in him to be a terrific actor. 
movies like Punch Drunk Love and Spanglish have shown it. And even, even the Meyerowitz stories, the Netflix movie from Noah Baumbach a couple years ago got really good reviews from too. And once again, he puts his head in the game and you know works for another director that isn't one of his buddies. And he's getting some of the best reviews of his life. And this looks really interesting. It's directed by the Safdie brothers who did Good Time. Uh, Great movie. Last year, two years ago, mm -hmm. which was basically like proof in the pudding of Robert Pattinson is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. Uh, hard movie to watch. Sounds like Uncut Gems is also going to be a bit of a hard watch. I don't think it's going to be really nominated for anything. Maybe... Uh, original screenplay for the Safties because they can go a little bit more risque in that regard but like you'd love to see a nomination for Sandler I've I wonder if maybe they can only handle one reclamation project a year and this year it's Eddie Murphy right right yeah so I don't know hmm. I'm excited though yeah um Next one I'm going to talk about is The Lighthouse, which is the new Robert Eggers horror movie starring Willem Dafoe and, like I just said, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> really good actor. Who knew decade plus ago, 10 to 15 years ago, if you were to say, Stephanie, mm -hmm. would you see a movie starring either Robert Pattinson or Kristen Stewart? 10 to 15 the years ago, what would you Twilight? say? The kids from Twilight? What would you say? No, thanks. Yeah. Hell no. Ask me now. Ask me now. Would you watch a movie starring either Robert Pattinson or Kristen Stewart? Uh, yeah, they'd make the best movies. Yes. Like, I, the way their careers, the two of them have turned their careers around is is mind-blowing. And, like, I don't know what else to say. Like, I'm, I'm so... Hearing either of their names makes me excited. So, yeah. The Lighthouse, I'm not great with horror movies. This is going to be one that I'm going to have to wait until it is and out This one video. looks spooky, too. But also, apparently, it's quite funny. Really? Yeah. I can see that. But the two of them. Yeah, because it's like going to be like a really dark comedy. And it's I like how the look of it looks like bad horror B-movies from like the 50s. Right. But choosing that as an, an intentional aesthetic. Right, yeah, yeah. Which I really dig that. Mm -hmm. Which shows real filmmaking. The fact that you can make something look bad but good at the same time. Sure. And it kind of adds to the sort of trippiness angle of this movie. It does look really trippy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think one thing that has me um, reserved about this movie is that I feel like it could be a quiet one. Like a, like a thinker. Like, I don't know. Like, Based on what I'm hearing, it doesn't sound like that. Really? Because like, the trailer kind of bores me. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, it just looks like two guys hanging out in a lighthouse. I don't know. <laughs> where don't could you know. go with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, they go insane. So that's where it goes. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious about it. I'll probably watch it during the day with the lights on when it's open. With me there? Yes. <laughs> okay. So we talked about a whole bunch of movies we haven't seen. There's one more movie that we just have to mention and it's not because I want to see it. You want to see it. I won't be I seeing it. I don't know if anyone wants to see it, but we have to mention the giant cat in the room. <laughs> Cats. <sighs> Do we have to talk about it? I don't, you know, I was brought up with that old adage, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So maybe I'll just sit here quietly. This is like, you, like the description of it is like pure catnip to Oscar voters. I'm just going to try to cram as many puns as I can into this. Um, pure catnip for voters in the sense of you're taking a beloved musical <laughs> and translating it 
to the screen and keeping it as faithful as you can. It looks so weird. Oh my God. So weird. And like to watch grown adults <laughs> dance around as cats yeah. is just not my idea of a fun afternoon. And like you got Idris Elba, Taylor Swift, Ian McKellen, There's like Rebel great Wilson, great actors Judy in Dench, it. And I'm James like, why? Gordon, Ray Winstone, Jennifer Hudson, Jason Derulo, whole bunch of people i've you know say taylor swift uh, yeah taylor swift and um it's funny because i ended up talking over text with sammy about this movie uh who has been on the show a bunch of times and just kind of talking about it back and forth and, and joking about how we we feel about it um and you know he's trying to encourage me about it about how you know it's a bunch of vignettes and you know honoring it and the fact that it's based about t.s Eliot poetry and, and things like that and i don't know yeah because that's why people are gonna watch oh, it <laughs> and then there's there is a youtube video where animators watched it and they were blown away by the quality of the animation but still can't believe that this is a movie yeah i don't know it makes my skin crawl just, it's it's got the uncanny valley thing going on where it's too lifelike. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't sit well with me. If this movie gets nominated for anything, visual effects, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Probably. Um, Who knows? Score or soundtrack, maybe. It depends if they're because the score has to be original. Yeah. So it depends if they just keep the original the the musicals original songs or not. So I don't know. I don't know. If this movie gets nominated for anything, I'm skipping it, unfortunately. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, this is what we have seen, what we haven't seen, what we think is going to be up there for Oscar nominations. And, of course, in the middle of all that was my interview with Colin Mercer of Game Time, the new sketch comedy show that is currently showing on YouTube. Make sure you follow Game Time wherever you can on, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. Check for updates. You know, Colin talked about you need he needs people to check this out because they're trying to grow their audience. They're trying to make this into a, a full-length show, and your support is truly appreciated. Colin is a, is a really talented, terrific person, and you should definitely check it out. Um, for ContraZoom Pod, make sure you are following on Instagram, on Twitter. What movie do you think is going to be the front runner for Best Picture this year? Are, are thoughts right, wrong? Where do you fall? Send me an email, ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page now, ContraZoom Pod. Basically, it's just ContraZoom Pod, everything where you can find it. Possibly be, that's where it is. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Aesthetic Magazine for presenting the show. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for making the theme music. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Stephanie, as well, for joining me. Oh, thank you. Anytime. Yeah. I hope you enjoy the show. Mm -hmm.